Hello and welcome to another episode of the Business Lunch with Katra Middle East and me, Cohen Sahota. In each episode of this podcast, we'll be joining one of the F&B industry's brightest stars to get to know them a little bit better. And what better way to do that than over food? The premise is simple. We meet in a restaurant or a cafe to chat while we have lunch. You'll hear us talk about the guest's business and we hope to find out more about the person themselves and what they like to do when they're not working. Because we're having food at the same time, you'll hear some background noise and what we're ordering. But think of it as inspiration for your next meal out. So, now you know what it is, let's introduce you to our guest. So we're joined by Erica Doyle, the founder of Drink Dry, the first marketplace for premium non-alcoholic drinks in the UAE. After she studied history and politics at Nottingham University, she went on to work at the Lithuanian Embassy in London. And in 2019, she moved to the UAE and launched Drink Dry. And in a few years, she's revolutionized the drinks industry and turned her passion into a business by offering a non-alcoholic alternative that's healthy, delicious and fun. Erica, welcome to Business Lunch. How does it feel to be on the show? Um, absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for asking me to to join in and and tell uh, everybody about these amazing non-alcoholic drinks that we have now available in Dubai. I've got to say, I'm especially excited about having you as a guest <laughs> because what the listeners can't see is that I'm actually bandaged up and I've recently had an accident and I've broken my hand. So because of the doctor's orders, I cannot drink alcohol and I'm really looking forward to trying these amazing alternatives. Exactly. So you are our kind of prime target audience at the moment. Um, and you know, people uh, give up alcohol for many, 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 many reasons. Not necessarily give up, but they give it a break or, or give up or they've never been drinkers anyway in the first place. So before we get into the drinks and we actually try them, we'd love to learn just a little bit more about you and your background. So you're originally from Lithuania. Yeah. Could you tell us just about your earliest memories with food and drink? What was being drunk at home? What was being eaten at home? So um, I don't know how many people have visited Eastern Europe or have any experience with Eastern Europe cuisine as such. Uh, it's very simple in a way. You know, it's it's that kind of uh, a meat, uh, potatoes, uh, and and couple of vegetables on the side. And my mother and my grandmother are, are great cooks for Lithuanian food. So it's very heavily driven by uh, starch, I'd say. You know, okay. potatoes in every single way possible. Um, but yeah, it's always been big part of my life in terms of more the ritual of it, not the food itself that I have memories of what exactly we are. I think it's, you know, like in any busy household, there's probably five, six, seven dishes that rotate every week, right? Yeah. Uh, my mom was a busy working mom. My dad was working as well. So I think we'd always, my parents would always batch cook and then we just eat the same thing every week, right? More particularly that I remember, uh, dining room was only reserved for, you know, when the queen comes or, <laughs> or, or Christmas Day or Easter or something like that. And even as, you know, as a poor student, um, I'd always save up and, and would never begrudge spending money on a nice dinner out because it was always something really special, something that you sit down with your friends and you connect and you engage and you talk about food and, and, and it's fun. It's incredibly yeah. fun. Yeah. And what about when it came to drinking? Can you remember the first drinks that you tried that were alcoholic or what your drink of choice was back God. in the day? Um, you know, I think, look, I think Eastern Europe uh, still is and was even more so when I was little, 
uh, the, notoriously with a big drinking culture, right? And particularly spirits, I think. So my first memory of, of, of any kind of uh, drinking would be, you know, at a big family gathering where you put your little uh, finger in somebody's glass and, and, and try it. I think in Lithuania, we, we are still behind probably in the whole whining and dining. It's more so around spirits and beers. Just drinking and drinking. Just drinking and drinking. <laughs> for the, for, for, you know, that, that's the reality. Yeah. That's just drinking and drinking. I think my generation, my friends, uh, it's changed. They're a lot more traveled. They're, they're a lot more uh, aware of what else is available. Uh, but, you know, we were part of Soviet Union for a very, very long time. We only got independence in 1991. So there's no surprise that, say, my parents wouldn't have known the difference between red wine and white wine or even okay. the, you know, the difference between beers. They only drank what is available and produced in Lithuania. Yep. And that, that mainly boiled down to beers and spirits. Yeah. So you then moved to the UK and you lived there as an adult. And that's another country that has a very big drinking <laughs> culture. And so from the UK, like from my experiences of just being there and working in the media industry, you see a lot of high-functioning alcoholics and a lot of middle-class binge drinking where you might be drinking a bottle of wine in Correct. an evening, but no one sees it as a problem because it's a bottle of wine. Correct. But what was your experience of drinking in the UK? So I moved to the UK when I was 16 and I did actually work in a hospitality industry for probably two, two three years while I was a student there. And, and you're absolutely right. There's a huge, huge uh, drinking culture amongst young people. So this is my first experience because, you know, I was 16. So I was kind of socializing with like 18 and above, uh, yeah. working in the hospitality industry. And there's, yeah, there's a huge drinking culture. And, and not, not the very attractive cinema-like where people sit down and they're having a glass of wine. And No, 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 not, not that. It's more of a going out and binge drinking. And that was a real eye-opener uh, yeah. as, as a young adult. Um, yeah, I probably got caught in it, you know, a few times. Um, and then I I then went off to university at 18. And again, if anybody's been at university in the UK, they, they know what that's like, right? Uh, again, huge drinking culture, not so much whining and dining, just going out partying. I'm really fascinated by what motivated you to start the company and would really love you for you to tell us more. Okay. Um, and then I met my husband, who who had his own business in 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 alcoholic drinks uh, industry. That's interesting. I know, yeah. I know. So so we kind of yeah. like you know black and white there. Um, so and that kind of was an eye opener into into business world to start with, more than anything. Uh, into business world more than anything, um, and also into just general the the F and B world, I suppose. More 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 the B, more the beverage world. For me, the, the the reason for starting to dry, drink dry goes back probably six years ago where I wanted to start a family, wanted to have kids, and uh, we were trying for quite some time and nothing was happening. Uh, we went out and, you know, we went and, and saw different medical professionals and you all said the same thing. There is no reason why you shouldn't have kids, right? So yeah. There's no obvious medical reason. Um, and And one of the doctors said to me, lifestyle. Look at your lifestyle. What are the changes that you can make in your lifestyle to achieve what you want? Uh, I would probably have an occasional cigarette at the weekend at that point. You know, Social smoking. Absolutely. Yep. Victim of that. Um, I would probably have a glass of wine 
pretty much every night yeah with the food um and at the weekends we would definitely go out and 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 you know have more than a glass more like a bottle uh, a night and it didn't seem it didn't seem bad or and I still don't think it was bad you know I just think it was very normal and acceptable, yeah. right? So I woke up one day and I said, right, this is it. You know, I'm, I'm cutting out the smoking. I'm cutting out alcohol. I'm starting exercising. I'm going to sleep eight hours a day and more. I'm, I'm going to do a whole overhaul of my existence. And, and hopefully that will lead to good ex- results. Right? And how did you feel when you did it? Um, it was harder than I thought it <laughs> will be to start with. Yep. Very much so. Um, but... The good thing about my timing was that I was in the UK at that time and the category of non-alcoholic drinks was beginning to emerge, yes. right? So if you you were a non-drink at that time and you, you searched for alternatives, they weren't quite easily available. Yeah. So they weren't in your face, like you didn't... Probably had like now. the seed lips exactly. that would be there. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. I remember I always used to drink seed lip yeah. and my husband would drink Erdinger beer. If you were looking for alternatives to alcohol, you could find them. Yeah. And I found that really, really liberating. Um, I didn't feel left out. I didn't have to make any justifications as to why I wasn't drinking. I just simply take my bottle of seed lip uh, to a friend's house and, you know, that's what I was having. I was having a gin and tonic as yeah. far as everybody else was concerned, right? It's interesting what you say about that justification because I do feel like there's almost a sense of guilt tripping you if you're not drinking or this sense Absolutely. of what's wrong with you and asking pretty personal questions that could be, you know, due to your religious choices or your health choices, but people feel like it's okay to ask. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I fully agree with you. And and I really experienced all of that when 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 I gave up alcohol. And then when we moved to the UAE Two years ago, because of my husband's uh, my husband's business, um, it was, and I say this all the time, and it was just like traveling back in time. The first time I went to a supermarket, I just couldn't find anything on the shelves. I then I then Googled it, nothing. I mean, I'm not even talking about going to exciting restaurants or anything like that. It was just nothing available on the shelves or even online. If so what drinking. did you drink? Nothing. I drank water. And it was... Really, really boring. It is really boring. It's yeah. really boring. Yeah. I started. I actually started making my own cordials. Okay. Um, which again, I'm not. I'm no good at it yeah. because you're not really given that many alternatives. Because at the moment, like what I'm finding is, I'm offered a juice or I'm offered a mocktail, and it could be really sugary. And it's really strange because we talk a lot about like children having lots of sugar intake, but Indeed. when it comes to adults, it's like we kind of turn a blind eye to it. Like when it comes to bottles of wine or just how much sugar is in your mocktail. And it's just these, like you said, just boring options that we're Indeed. given. Yeah. yeah. Indeed. So what happened next? So uh, what happened next was I moaned and complained an awful lot to my husband. Uh, and every single you know time we went out or every time we did a, we hosted a barbecue. Uh, I, I like to be a good host. So I like to, you know, somebody says to me they're vegetarian or they're vegan or they're gluten-free or whatever diet requirements they have. I always try to go out of my way to make sure that they're really catered for and they don't feel left out, that yeah. they have to have 
lettuce only or something like that. And I always felt like I couldn't cater for myself, you know, when, when this is pre-COVID. So when That's I was, really sad. It's really sad, <laughs> yeah. right? So I complained and moaned for about a year until my husband then said to me, well, do something about it. You know, enough is enough. Do something about it. Because my husband also is a non-drinker. Yeah. So um, I think he felt the frustration as, well, as much as I did. And then he said, do something about it. Um, and then in, in February 2020... Just as COVID was uh, was coming in, I, I started Drink Dry. That's incredible. I mean, we love these <laughs> kinds of stories. We love those stories of entrepreneurial spirits and like you totally have done something about it and you saw a gap in the market and you filled it. It's a really, really inspirational story. Thank you. Thank you. And we've also just been presented with some oysters. So there's lots of steam coming off of them right now and there's boiling sounds and it's just quite theatrical, isn't it? I know. I think it's, uh, is it dry ice? It's a bit of a showstopper, isn't it? Just the way that it looks. But this is part of the experience, right? Where you, it's a ritual. If you are treating yourself or somebody else and you are wanting a little bit more. You get the private dining room at Prime 68. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's when you put your heels on and your nice dress and, and you almost expect these kind of things because... It's fun, right? Yeah. It's it's an experience. It's more than food. It's about the whole experience. That. So why did you decide to order the oysters for us today? Uh, do you want the honest answer? Yes. I could come up with something uh, a bit more sophisticated, <laughs> but I'm going to give you an honest answer. The food, the the, the steaks and the, the sides that come, they're so incredibly delicious here. They're very generous portions and they're quite rich. So when I come to eat here... And, you know, we're having a starter and a main. I always opt for a lighter option for a starter because okay. I really want to enjoy my steak. So hence I, I opted for oysters so we don't get too full up. Okay, <laughs> wonderful. Let's dig in. Those oysters are just divine, aren't they? The texture, the freshness. How are you finding them? Uh, I think they really know what they're doing here. That's what I would say, you know, and... I've had, so oysters for me, I'm, I'm, I'm really into, into oysters at the moment, and I'll tell you why. I've had, so what I was telling about not being able to have children for some time, and then, uh, and I don't know whether it's related to me giving up alcohol or not, but I then went off to have three in, in the course of four years. So I had my third daughter two months ago. And oh, because congratulations. I was, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> because I feel like I've been pregnant uh, continuously for four years. I wasn't allowed to eat oysters, pâtés, you know, all those kind of things. Um, so now I'm, I'm super, super into all the things I wasn't allowed to eat, basically. Erica, if you could tell us about the bottle that we're just going to have now. Okay, so this is our absolute bestseller. This is Vintense Prestige Blanc de Blanc, which is 100% Chardonnay. So for those people who have been duped in the past, who have bought uh, a bottle of uh, champagne-looking bottle in Dubai, opened it, poured it into a glass, and were hit with the grape juice, sweet drink, this is completely the the opposite and a a very different product. Um, All our grape beverages, what I call them, woohoo, woohoo, what I call non-alcoholic wines, start life as alcoholic versions of that, right? Yeah. And then the alcohol is removed to the point it's 0.0% alcohol, suitable for people on medication, suitable for pregnant people, 
if somebody's not drinking for religious re- reasons, it's suitable for absolutely everybody. Yep. And Vintense Prestige is a 100% Chardonnay uh, variety, sparkling, um, non-alcoholic wine. It's yeah. absolutely incredible. I think... I, I would, you know, I'd love for you to try it and 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 tell me what you think. I have in the past have tricked so many people to think. Oh, I love that. It's an alcohol. I was going to ask you about that. Just blind tasting. Like, do you just give people a drinks and just not tell them all the time? And then when you give it to them, they try it and they're like, Oh no 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 no! I'm I, I don't want alcohol. Like I want a non-alcoholic drink. Yep. And I'm like, No no, this is non-alcoholic. And yep. seeing that reaction on people's faces for me, it's priceless. It just sums it all up. Yeah. Okay. So cheers. Cheers. I think I would find it difficult to tell the difference between that. And it's also, it's just the ceremony that the fact that we hear that pop of the bottle as well, and that there's this sense of like, you're not missing out on the fun and you're, you know, you're still having this grown up drink and it tastes, you know, it tastes like it's a sophisticated drink to be having and you feel like you've got something special in your hand. Indeed. And, you know, you, I think when, when people ask me, do I want a mocktail, what I really want to say is I'm not a kid. I'm not 10 years old, thank you very much. I don't <laughs> want a mocktail. I want something that's sophisticated and adult-like. And, you know, I like it being poured in a super fancy champagne flute um, and enjoy it as an adult, right? Yeah. 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 So it's really lovely. It's got this lovely sparkling texture to it. It's this creamy color. It's quite light. It's very drinkable. I think the the bubbles particularly are super effervescent, super light on the palate. It's very dry. It's very crisp. Uh, It's not overly sweet. Okay, so we're just being given the French 75. So can you tell us about this? Because it's a classic cocktail. Yes, yes. Um, So this this particular French 75 0.0 is made with two of our products. One is uh, Pearson's London Botanicals, non-alcoholic gin, and Vincennes Prestige, which is the one that we've tried. Um, sparkling Chardonnay, uh, sparkling wine. The method in making it, it's the same as making alcoholic gin in terms of distillation process, Yeah, right? So when you make alcoholic gin, I'm going to put it very simple. I'm I'm sure some, uh, you know, gin makers would would, uh, tell me off for for simplifying the process. But you effectively distill uh, a lot of different botanicals and different gin company will have their own recipe, different botanicals, different percentages of each botanical that they use. And then you infuse alcohol with it and voila, you have alcoholic gin, right? The way you make non-alcoholic gin is you distill the same botanicals Mind you, you have to distill probably three or four times as many because you are then infusing water with it, not alcohol. Okay. And water is naturally a lesser absorbent than alcohol. Yeah. So you ha- it's the, the, the labor process in making non-alcoholic gin, it's actually a lot more intense right. than making alcoholic one, using a lot more ingredients yep. to get the same effect. Okay, so we've been served this drink. It's in a very sleek glass. It's yeah. been garnished with a little bit of lemon. Yeah. And it just, you know, it just, so it's Pearson's non alcoholic gin, uh, lime juice or lemon juice. I think it's lemon juice and Vintense Prestige sparkling Chardonnay. Okay. Wine. Let's have a drink. Cheers. Cheers. Nice. Yes, it's like very floral, very <laughs> fragranty. It's, yeah, it's, 
it's really nice because sometimes you can have gin and it's like the gin's the overpowering element yeah. of the drink whereas this it feels like it's a real balance like it's all complementing each other there's no and you fighting. taste the botanicals right yes the, the botanicals are not overwhelmed by sheer alcohol that sort of burning sensation you feel the the botanicals that's really Do you know lovely. it was really um and and when i'm learning so much by by just doing what I do with Drink Dry, I learn every single day. And the latest thing I learned was why bartenders and cocktail makers really like using non-alcoholic gin. So we did an interview for, I think it was for Vietnam National TV, and we filmed it at Roberto's in DIFC. And Vasily, who's the, the bar manager there, was asked, you know, why do you like using non-alcoholic gin in making your amazing cocktails? And I, was, I thought, oh, this is, you know, this is really exciting. I want to hear what, what he's going to say. And he just said, because it's easy. In one shot, you have flavors of 10, 15, 20 different distilled botanicals. So it saves him time. Yeah. It saves him all the prep work he would have to do in trying to create, recreate the same flavors. He just takes, takes a non-alcoholic gin. Voila. He's yep. got 20 different flavor notes in there already. I love this drink. It's so drinkable and it's kind of like the thing you'd give to someone like let's you say you were having a dinner party and it'll be just be like like hey guys let's just have this and you know start the evening. Yeah. And this. I think once you you know if you drank it you'd go oh it's actually non-alcoholic because you're not feeling the effects of alcohol and it's not quite burning your mouth. But I think to start off it's yes. really believable as a sophisticated adult drink, right? And sweetness is there, but it's not overpowering as well, which I absolutely love. No. There is just a subtle amount of it there. Yes, yeah. correct. I've been duped so many times in, in, in Dubai with ordering something that's A, extremely expensive. Um, it comes in a, in a champagne-looking-like bottle. Um, but when you are served it, it's, it's just big bubbles, uh, very intense kind of orangey color, you know, sweet, whether it's apple juice or grape juice. And then you feel a sense of disappointment, you yes. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got to be honest. I was really surprised um, when basically I found out that you're the first company of your kind here. Why do you think that is? <laughs> I think that is because people are too scared sometimes to try something new in Dubai. They're, they're just too scared because, you know, and, and it's amazing. When I, when I started Drink Dry in February 2020, um, I had no intention, I'm going to say, to be, to, to be an importer and distributor of these products. Uh, my, my goal uh, was coming from the fact that I was a frustrated consumer. So what I wanted to do I wanted to create a platform, an e-commerce platform where people like me who are non-drinkers or people who choose not to drink for whatever reason at that given time are able to come to our website and just choose what is their you know, favorite uh, non-alcoholic drink, whether it's beer or sparkling wine, etc. And I reached out to, I'm going to say almost all uh, big distributors here in the UE and said, hey guys... Uh, so you surely are all aware of this non-alcoholic, you know, category booming everywhere. So do share with me what you have in the pipeline. What yeah. are the next non-alcoholic drinks that you are bringing in? Because I'm trying to gather them all under one umbrella and launch an e-commerce platform to facilitate the end consumer. And the answer I got from every single distributor was a big fat zero. They had nothing wow. in the pipeline. 
I moaned and complained for another month or so to my husband. <laughs> and then he said, well, do something about it. Yeah. So I did. Yeah. I then reached out to the brands myself and I said, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're starting off this business and we would love to actually import and represent your brands here. Yeah. And, and that's what we did. That's amazing. That's such an incredible story. Um, also, just about being in the UAE, and we were talking about drinking cultures back in Europe. And yes. when I first came to the UAE, I've got to say, I was surprised also just to find out that there is a real drinking culture here. And you kind of come here and you have your own ideas about how conservative the country might be. But I remember when I went to my first brunch and actually just being kind of shocked at the excess that you see. And I remember saying to my friends back in the UK and I was like, it's worse than Leicester Square on a Saturday night. Um, but it's almost accepted and it's normalized here. And you've got the ladies nights, you've got happy hours every day of the week. I'm interested to know what you made of that when you when you were here, when you were visiting, when you were drinking, but then also post drinking, like what you made of it. And you're absolutely right. The drinking culture here, it's 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 24 seven. Yep. It's 100 miles an hour. Everybody's on a mission to get drunk. You know, they go out, with that sole purpose, you know, <laughs> and that's sort of generalizing. Not everybody yeah. does that, but that's the first impression yeah. you get. Or to right? get your free drinks or to get your happy hour drinks. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Um, so it was very, very surprising and very shocking to to find that here because, as you said, you don't expect it from, from you know, uh, quite a strict Muslim country, I suppose. I did see a change. I did see a change that people are... Um, changing their lifestyle and I think it also depends on where you are personally in your in your life you know are you 21 and you just came to Dubai and you have not a care in the world you, you don't have a family you don't have financial commitments you don't you know you have a job you have a good income and you're out to have fun right yep. so there's no harm done that you're going out five times a week and blowing off steam because that's what your 20s are for right yep. So for me, the experience was that people around me that I first met in 2012, their personal circumstances have changed yeah. and they started to slow down. Right. And now as a mother of three kids, uh, you know, with a full-time job, uh, in generally very busy life, I, I don't have any need or desire to go to clubs in Dubai. So I don't really see the culture how it is now. Yeah. Um, it's more coming sort of to restaurants and, and enjoy the food and atmosphere. That's yeah. my going out now. Yeah. From my current experience just of not drinking is that I find there's very little incentive to not drink in Dubai because, for example, on the weekend I went out and I was ordering mocktails and they cost me 45 dirhams yes. to have these whilst the person who I was with was managing to get happy hour beers yeah. that were cheaper <laughs> and their bill was less than mine. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And, and I'm sure that you probably didn't even feel uh, catered for and satisfied as a yeah. consumer, you know. If you're paying 45 dirhams for a drink that you really enjoyed, you don't even think of it that it was 45 dirhams. Yeah. All you will think about is... I went out at weekend, I wasn't drinking, and boy, I found these really fantastic drinks that I really enjoyed. You wouldn't even concentrate on the fact how much it was. I'd love to move on to talking about being a woman in F&B, because for this first series, we are talking to women and asking them about their experiences. And we've heard a lot of women share stories just about the obstacles they faced and how difficult it is to navigate this industry. So I was just keen to know about what kind of obstacles did you encounter when you entered the industry? 
I think what I find particularly with F&B industry, there are women in F&B, but there are not many women in decision-making level in F&B. Yeah. And that is why I really am struggling to understand why. Um, you know, this is not kind of a social experiment program. And, I'm, you know, I'm sure if we dug re really deep, we would find why that is. Um, but the fact that is the case, you know, you do not actually meet many people in, in many women in decision-making uh, positions. So the in, gatekeepers are still very much men. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And, you know, I'm 32 years old. I'm six foot one, long, long hair. Um, again, there's a stereotype there. Beautifully and dressed today as well. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I do get um, odd looks. And when I go into a, a big meeting where, uh, you know, uh, sort of CEO level, uh, C executives are there, they don't necessarily expect me. Yeah. I think they are expecting uh, a male. Yeah. An older male, more experienced in FMB. You know, I have very little experience compared to a lot of people in, in FMB. I have a passion for what I do, um, but I don't really have experience in, in, in the politics of the industry, which I almost like, and I'm not trying to get too involved in that. Yes. You know, I just carry the passion for what I do. When I was actually starting Drink Dry, I felt that people were not taking me seriously. Okay. This is what I felt. And I Is I, there any specific experience yeah, you can remember? Yeah, yeah. I remember I remember having a, having a coffee with somebody, somebody who I actually knew on a personal level. And I was pitching them the idea. This is what I want to do. And you know, I was so convinced that this 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 movement is coming here. For me, there was no question about it. It was yep. the it wasn't the question of if, it was when. Yes. And I actually thought it was gonna come maybe twenty twenty two or but I wanted to be ready. And I was pitching them this idea and I just remember they they were looking at me in an almost kind of um endearing way. Like, oh isn't that sweet what you're trying to do? Isn't she you know? cute. Oh isn't she cute? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know? And and I was fully prepared. I came to a, a business meeting. I had my numbers, I had my stats, I had my yeah. you know, I was ready and and I was just not taken seriously. And and um, you know, the person said to me, Well look, darling, if you know, if you really want to do this, I I'll take a container of this product for you and let let's see what we can do. Okay. And I just thought Absolutely no, no. This isn't a game. This isn't something I want to do on a Thursday afternoon. This is going to be a real business, and it's yeah. going to work. Um, and there were many, many kind of situations like that where I felt that because I was uh, I was young. Yep. You know, I was I just turned thirty, and I think that's quite young in business in general. Yep. I just turned thirty with no experience in in in, in hospitality or F and B. Um, and I was a, I was a female. Yeah. I was a female. So when you had those experiences, did they motivate you to want to actually just be like, I'll prove you wrong? Absolutely. <laughs> I, you know, every single time I came home after a meeting like this, I would just get so wired up, uh, to the point where I think if it hadn't been for experiences like that, I wouldn't have gone ahead with it. Yes. I, I Maybe I would have doubted myself, you know, yeah. if, if I hadn't been told it's not going to happen. But because somebody told me it's not going to happen, I felt like I had to prove them wrong. And so many times, myself included, in my life, I have been told that something is a bad idea or it's not going to work. And I listened. 
Yes. And I listened. You know, I think starting June Dry was one of the few times in my life where somebody said no to me and I thought, no. And you I'm, had the conviction. Absolutely. And I thought, I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm yeah. going to prove them all wrong. Yeah. And I had to work extra hard and, and push on. But the sad thing about it is that I am sure that so many times uh, people, male and female, but probably I'm thinking more female, have had an idea and they've been shot down even before they had a chance to do anything with it, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a great tragedy, really. Absolutely. So do you think doing that has then changed your outlook when it comes to anything else that you might want to do where in the future you're like, actually, no, I've done that so I can do this next thing? Yes, yes. Do you think, like, when you were speaking to your husband, did you say to him, actually, you know what, if you were in those meetings, I think that would have gone a little bit differently. Yes. And what did he say? 100%, you know, and because he, and do you know what was really surprising? Um, Some of the people that I was having meetings with, my husband knew also, and his, uh, his solution to that was, would you like me to come to your next meeting? Okay. To bring weight to it, you know, to carry something to it. And it's a tragedy in itself that uh, we have to resort to that. We did didn't. Did you do that? No, no. I did not. Okay. Uh, I did not do that. But it was an eye-opener that if I had brought in my husband to maybe initial meeting and he pitched the idea and said, this is what I want to do because, you know, he's a successful businessman with, with a huge company with 30 years in, 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 in the industry experience – I think people would have seen differently. So why did you feel like you had to say, no, okay, you stay at home. I'll go to work for this one. <laughs> I think it, it it felt like it wouldn't be legit somehow. Yeah. Like it wouldn't, it, it would just wouldn't be real, you know. I'm interested to know how you maintained your resilience when you were coming up with these obstacles. Simple. I have three little girls. And I feel like I have to set example for them. Yeah. I mean, they're so little that they probably have zero clue or idea what I do for a living. Um, but I genuinely feel like, you know, I have these uh, little eyes looking at me every single day when I get up, I get dressed, I'm going to work. And they, you know, they see me busy. They see me working. They know mom goes to meetings. And I feel like I have to deliver. And that for me as a working mom was a huge drive and inspiration to not give up because I want to be able to say to my girls when they are older and there's something that maybe gets in their way or they're they're not getting support or, you know, they're thinking outside the box. They're coming up with the idea that nobody else has done it. I want to be able to say to them, do it, just try. You know, if you fail, so be it. You pick yourself up and you start something else, right? But I want to be able to say to them, do it and and be an example. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I think... Words are great, but it's actions that matter. So who's looking after the three little kids tonight? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually my husband. Uh, he's, he's a super uh, sort of hands-on dad. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm forever grateful to him for supporting me through yeah. this journey. Um, yeah, so we've just been presented with a kind of briefcase that's open up with a light on it as well. And we've just been presented with a bunch of different knives. How many are there? <laughs> It's very special, isn't it? I know, right? And again, for me, it goes back to that whole ritual yes, experience. Yeah. But like you're saying, it's that ritual. And it's almost the respect for the food as well that you're right. having when you're using these utensils. Yeah. Do you know, for me, it's, um, I don't know if I said this to you earlier, but this place, uh, Prime 68, is 
particularly special for me, and this is why I wanted to do the interview here. Because I remember, I'm going to say four or five years ago, before I moved to the UAE, we came here and we had dinner with my husband and, and some of his clients or business partners. And I was a non-drinker already. And the food here is absolutely, you know, fantastic. And there was, at that point, there wasn't an option for, for a non-drinker to have any of these cocktails that we've had today or, or fantastic Chardonnay sparkling wines, non-alcoholic, or, or the red wine that we will have with our steak. Um, so when we, we imported our first shipment for non-alcoholic wines, um, this was for me where I really wanted to get the products listed yeah. and showcase them. Um, so this was very special yeah, I mean, it me. makes sense because they're known for their high quality ingredients and they have carefully selected everything, as we've just seen now, even just down to the choice of knives. And so, yeah, it would be strange just having a drink that doesn't match up with that experience Indeed. as well Indeed. if it's non-alcoholic. <laughs> Being a working mum, I know you wanted to talk about that. And, you know, in, um, my, in my opinion, working mums make the world go round because they have this ability to multitask. And I don't want to say it like comes naturally to them. It's because basically you're kind traditionally put into these roles and you have to make it work from your experience how does it differ being a working mom who's in the UK and then being one who's in the UAE oh my goodness I think it's like black and white Uh, okay 100% you know so I had my first daughter Emily four years ago when we were still in the UK and I then uh, fell pregnant this, with my second daughter when Emily was probably five or six months. So I didn't really get a chance to go back into a working life between my two first children. Yeah. So, you know, but I don't know. Um, yeah, by the time Emily was probably 14 months, I had my second daughter. But I watched my, my, my friends uh, who had babies at the same time go back to work and really struggled and juggled at the same time full-time job with really expensive childcare. um you know no kind of home help available or if it's available it's probably out of a price range for somebody who's 30 just starting off their career you know absolutely yeah absolutely and that's the reality you can say what you like but it just wasn't an option for a lot of my for, for most of my friends so they they had to juggle being a working mom with 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 a kid who they had to take to nursery who they had to pay for it um a lot of them were working predominantly just to pay the childcare you know fees yeah. um and that's really hard to digest but you feel like you have to go to your work environment to keep your job right so i moved here when my second daughter was about 6 months and I felt ready. I was itching to go back to work. I, you know, I, I've, I've almost had enough being a stay-at-home mom. And we had this amazing lady who, who, who to this day is with us. And she looks after us incredibly well. She, she helps me with the kids. She helps me with managing my own life and, and everything that is to do with household, right? And do you think you were motivated to actually set up your own business almost because you do have kids and you wanted to be in charge and you wanted to be in control and have that flexibility in terms of working hours was that part of it 100 percent, yes it was it was mainly part of that i i wanted to have the flexibility of when i work and and i do that today so when you're looking at the fmb industry what do you think it could do better to help women come into the industry or and help women who have children to get into the industry and work and have successful careers 
Oh gosh, I think that's so incredibly difficult. You know, I think it's I think it's for women, particularly with small kids, that's really difficult because um, the main problem for me is the mum guilt. Yeah, it's it's not even the employer, the 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 conditions you get to work or the flexibility. It's yeah. the mum guilt. So I think we have okay. to start with ourselves. Right. So it's first. not the, any stigma that you're feeling from outside. No, I think I think the stigma comes from from within, and that's something I really had to work on. You know, when I I went from spending twenty four seven with my kids to spending an hour in the morning and two hours in the evening max. Right. And and for me, the biggest uh, challenge was the mum guilt that yeah. I constantly got that I wasn't there to put my kids to bed because you know that could be external messaging. Because I wonder if your husband is having that same guilt as well when he's not there. Good question. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. I think he he wants to be there. Yeah, and when he's not there, I don't think he gets the guilt like I do. Yeah, but you know, it's. It's only natural. You carry the child in inside you for nine months. You are the one who is with that baby twenty four seven in its first days. You know, yeah. you are breastfeeding. You are, you are its primary caregiver. That's the reality. Nobody else can do it. Only you can do it. Um, for example, you know, I had my third daughter uh, two two and a bit months ago. I had her on a Sunday. On a Tuesday, I was back in the office. But the reason wow. I was able to do that is because I moved the office into my house. Uh, our office manager has very kindly agreed to to come and work from my house for for however many weeks I had to to be in the house. Um, and that for me is real flexibility. I'm not talking about flexi hours or you know sort of small gestures. Yeah. What would really help a woman to continue her her role in the industry and and allow her to grow, you yeah. know? And because I was able to walk across my hallway and, and uh, you know, get into my then office, which became our office, you know, everybody was working from my house and they had to put up with screaming kids in the other part of the house. But everybody did it because yeah. we're a team and, and you know, I, I had a baby, that's the reality. And yeah. But it's really asking your women employees, yeah. what do you need? Yeah. How can we help you yeah. uh, succeed, grow yeah. in your role so you don't stay in the same level position because maybe you can't attend evening events because you have kids at home, that they see past that. Because I think some employers just turn a blind eye to it or they're not thinking about it or it's not something they want to address. We have to be real about our lives. We yeah. have to be true and forget about social media images and how we want it portrayed and how we want it to look. This is why you're not drinking alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh my goodness, we're in for a treat with this. We are. So we've just been presented with some succulent steak. This looks incredible, doesn't it? It does, and it smells absolutely fantastic. Could you let us know why you've ordered this and what you'll be pairing it up with this lunchtime? Absolutely. And I wanted to, 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 for you guys to really try our uh, red wine, which is uh, from Rhone Valley. It's Vintense La Galette. It's, it's a Grenache Syrah mix. It's super, super uh, delicious. And it goes really well with red meats, in my opinion. I'm not a sommelier. I just love the packaging on that as well. The way it looks. <laughs> it just looks really sophisticated. The fact there's a cork in there as well. Thank you. It just looks like it's a bottle of wine. Thank you. Thank you. And again, it's going back to the whole ceremony of it, right? Yeah. Um, so that's why I wanted to, to try with slightly more full-bodied food, yep. more rich food and balancing 
out with with the uh, red wine. So I'm really keen to know about your customer base. So as you said, like there could be a whole bunch of different reasons that someone's not choosing to drink. It could be religious, fitness, you know, medication or pregnancy. And you obviously have these two customers as well. You've got the public and then you've got the restaurants and bars. Correct. With the consumer, what does your typical customer look like and what kind of things are they ordering as well? Oh boy. Um, I think when we first launched Drink Dry Store, it was very much uh, Dubai-based, European, Western. Um, Not entirely sure I I could uh, give you the age range because that's not something we can pick up from our analytics, but very much so potentially somebody who was a drinker maybe or is still is a drinker. Yeah. I think a typical customer for us is um, somebody who is cutting back on alcohol not necessarily somebody who's giving up alcohol you know i don't think it's uh we don't have to be black and white alcohol is it's it's in moderation and at the right time at the right place there's no harm to it there's you know enjoy and 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 have fun there's some amazing wines there available and enjoy and have fun right through kind of growing we 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 then uh saw a huge increase in 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 local people, uh, locals who are coming on our platform and and they're experimenting, they're buying different things. Um, We have to help them a little bit more in terms of explaining, you know, um, how do you serve red wine? In in what glassware you you serve it in? What temperature at? What food to yeah. pair it with? Etc. 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 So, what about the bottles? What ones are the most popular that you're finding? Oh my goodness! Um, I think. I think I have to say, so we currently have five different non-alcoholic beers, and this is always my goal, that A, if you're a non-drinker, for example, I'm a non-drinker, but I do not drink beer, never have done, uh, I probably have one beer in 12 months, you know, on a cold, on a warm Saturday afternoon at four o'clock, a cold beer, at, at best, right? But beer would not be my choice of drink, but I wanted to cater for all beer drinkers, who choose to have non-alcoholic beer. So if you like a lager beer, we have Heineken. If you like a Belgian blonde beer, we have that. If you like a stout, we just brought it last week. We just launched our our non-alcoholic stout. But the Heineken's been a real game changer, hasn't it? I mean, the 0.0, it's really just shown the whole industry that this can be popular. And if anybody who is in F&B, and and I'm going to shoot myself in the foot here probably, but if anybody's in F&B industry here in the UE currently and is still... and still doesn't believe that this category is here to stay, shouldn't be in F&B industry. They, yeah. they, you know, they're clearly not up to speed with what's yeah. happening, right? Yeah, because with Heineken, that's been one of the strongest exactly. areas of growth for them. Yeah, Exactly. And, you know, when when the big players like Heineken, Bacardi, uh, Diageo, they're bringing out non-alcoholic versions, that's a great indicator that the category is here to stay. Yeah. And it's not going to be... Uh, something that's next to the alcohol or next to the soft drinks, it's going to become a category of its own. Yes. So currently in our portfolio, we have uh, the most exquisite uh, grape beverage from uh, Familia Torres uh, okay. from from Barcelona. And, you know, as you know, they are winemakers of 150 years old. So is that the one we've it's got here one. with this yeah. really like 
voilà. beautiful label as well on it with these floral um, decorations, the graphic design on it. It's just a very sleek bottle, isn't it? Fantastic. It's it's honestly, it's a, it's a game changer. When I first tried Natureo a few years ago, so the red one is Ganasha Syrah grape. Yeah. Um, and the white one is a muscat. Yeah. Now, as a as a wine drinker, probably muscat would have never been my choice of grape. Okay. I would have found it maybe too sweet. Yeah. But but the Torres muscat is is full of flavor. It's full of different floral notes. You can really taste and smell the orange blossom. It's it's incredibly. Um, it's incredibly playful, yeah. and and it's just a really fantastic drink. Yeah. You'd be kind of proud to turn up at a dinner party and have that in your hands when you arrive. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, so we're having Vintense La Galette um, Syrah Grenache mix. It's from Rhone Valley and the alcohol is gently removed uh, in vacuum under low temperature. So the flavors are retained from the original sort of alcoholic version of that, but the alcohol is fully, fully removed. So it's 0.0 alcohol and... Particularly, I think with non-alcoholic wines, it is best enjoyed in a gastronomical setting. So, setting, so alongside with food as a complement to the food. So, you really taste the tannins uh, at the back of your throat. Um, it really complements the richness of the food. It's a beautiful dark color, and it's just really smooth as well. Just that whole texture. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, if you were having a dinner party, you would want to have this there. And I don't think you would feel left out if you were drinking no. this. Would you like to try uh, the Torres one? And then you'll yes. see, yeah. I think we have another glass there. I'd like for you to see the difference, actually, because... Um, it's very light, this one. It's very light. Yeah. Um, so this is actually a different grape variety. We only launched it uh, two weeks ago. And it's already being served by a glass in Koya um, and, and other... That's sensational. It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fruity, but it's not overwhelmingly fruity. Yeah. It retains the character of the wine, minus the alcohol. So is that your favorite? I can't say. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> what is it that you love so much about that one? Um, it's, it's just... Oh, let me... It's very delicate as well. It is. On and, the palate. And for me, I, you know, I'm really into my health and I'm really into, uh, it matters to me what I put inside my body. You know, I, I, I have to look after myself. And uh, Torres, when they make, when Familia Torres make a uh, non-alcoholic grape beverage, they make it pure. There's no added sugar. There's no added tannins. There's no added anything to it. It's, it's the, the grapes that they grow they pick it, they they make it into a wine, they remove the alcohol, and they put it in a bottle. So it's the whole process is yeah. managed and maintained by them. Yeah. So shall we have it with the food as well and then yes. just see Let's how try. it complements each other? Let's try. So the food is presented just spectacularly here. And we've got these, is it like little potato slices that say how our steak has been cooked? So Correct. it says medium Correct. across it as well. And so it's just, it's like you said, it's back to that idea of the ritual of eating. And yeah, there's a I whole process. I think every process. detail matters, right? Yeah. I'm really looking forward to this because usually if you're eating a steak, you know, you want to have a good red wine that's going with it. But if you're someone Correct. who's not drinking... You're just going to get a poor substitute probably in most places, but at least here in Prime 68, we're being given something that's just quality and it makes you feel like a grown-up just having that in your hand and then having the steak as well. 
And it just, it looks on point. Like if someone saw us right now and they saw us with this, you know, delicious steak in front of us and they saw these glasses filled with red wine, you know, we're not being shoved you know, a kiddie's orange juice in our hands. Exactly. We're actually being given something that makes us feel like it's very sophisticated and you don't question it. Exactly. And do you notice that there's probably spikes in things like dry January or sober October? Or is this just a trend where there aren't those spikes? It's just actually, like you say, soaring. Oh, there, there is a trend. Absolutely. So as I said to you, we, we launched the platform um, middle of December and we did fantastically well for Christmas. You know, people were just absolutely, I think we, we, we were making deliveries on Christmas day for the Christmas day because people were just uh, wow. absolutely amazed with it. Um, and then we went straight into dry January. And again, this was the first time these products were being made available in the UAE. Uh, we, we we usually tend to also see a spike in, say, you know, if we've got Eid holiday approaching or Easter holiday approaching, yeah. when people are preparing for it, yep. we definitely, definitely see a spike in that. Um, and again, there's a new thing coming called Dry July. So we've, we've, we've already seen... I haven't heard of that before. I know, I know. <laughs> and I have to say neither have I until last month. Um, but that's another kind of, you know, we've got sober October, dry January. These are the two months that we're all familiar with, right? Yeah. Um, but Maybe dry, we should have an actual day. You know, you get those meat-free Mondays, just yeah, like hundred percent. And I think it's coming. It's 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 absolutely coming. And sometimes it can be intimidating. Let's say you're looking at a menu and you're ordering a drink. But I found your site. It's just very accessible and it explains things really clearly. And it's not Thank an you. intimidating price point either. And so, if someone was sober curious, what would you say to them is a good starting point? I think a good starting point is is giving it a go, yeah. buy one product or two. You know, uh, the selection is now, when we launched it, we had five products on the platform. That was it. And and people were going crazy for it. Now we have a really nice selection of different wines, different beers, different spirits, cocktails, you know, you name it. Yeah. So I think if you are a sober curious and you, you have your favorite uh, alcoholic drink that you used to drink, Maybe it's beer, maybe it's gin and tonic, maybe it's sparkling wine. Buy the alternative to that. Could you tell us about some of the restaurants and bars that you're supplying to? Oh my goodness, we have the most exciting uh, selection of, of, of restaurants at the moment. So um, i give you an example, Il Borro, Italian restaurant. Yep. They, they sell our sparkling non-alcoholic wine. And you know we've had a lot of positive feedback from there. Um, quite a few places in DIFC list our products. So um, you've got Gaia, you've got Roberto's, you've got Bocca, you've got the Four Seasons, you have Waldorf Astoria and Russell Kamer, you have the Rosewood Hotel in Abu Dhabi. Um, we have really exciting uh, product called Sea Arch, Rose C&T and, and uh, C&T, original one. So it's already pre-mixed gin and tonic. So what you guys can't see is that these are just really beautifully packaged. So they almost look like candles in the way that they're packaged, <laughs> like something you'd find in a health and beauty store, like very, yeah. very high end in the way that it looks. Because when you normally think about cans, you'll probably think about picnics or you know, something that's not very sophisticated where you drink in the park and you've got your cans of G&Ts. But this 
this is like next level GMTs. So this is your easy serve. It's, yeah. it's, it's in the UK, I think they refer to them as the perfect serve. So A, it's, it's exactly how the brand owner intended you to have. It's pre-mixed in exact measures, you know, because when we all make a gin and tonic at home, we may get the quantities a bit wrong, we may not have the right tonic or all sorts of things, right? But this is your perfect serve. It's, it's easy, it's accessible. If you're having a barbecue or you're going to the beach or a picnic or anything like that. I'm also interested. So what we've got in front of us is this um, Belgian beer, which is really declaring quite big and bold that it's 0.0%. Could you tell us about that whole process of 0.0% and how you actually managed to get that in your products? Because in the UK, a lot of the non-alcoholic market still actually does have alcohol in it. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So the, the category is absolutely growing and booming in Europe, UK, America. But the difference to what we will ever be able to have here is that slight uh, discrepancy in the ABV, right? So in the UK, non-alcoholic products are considered anything up to 0.5. Here, it has to be a complete 0.0. So, you know, the non-alcoholic beer category is vast in the UK, absolutely yeah. vast. Yet here, we only have five products. Yeah, but you're not messing around with the beer categories because you're actually going after beers that kind of would taste about 6% alcoholic, but you're bringing them down to 0.0. Yes. yes. So we have found the most extraordinary suppliers for the products. And uh, this actually, this this brand, Beer de Sami, um, it's a big beer brand in Belgium. If in this day and age we can clone sheep and we can print aeroplanes with yep. 3D printers, there's no reason why we cannot have good quality non-alcoholic drinks, yep. right? And so if people want to actually buy this as consumers, how can they get the drinks? So they simply go to drinkdrystore.com and and have a good look uh, at our website, uh, decide what is their favorite tipple. Is it a beer? Is it a wine? Is it, you know, maybe you're a lazy drinker. You don't like mixing anything. So you buy one of our ready to drink cocktails and, you know, enjoy that. If you are a bit more adventurous, you you might opt for some non-alcoholic spirits, rums, whiskeys, and, and make some cocktails at home. So just looking ahead to the future, what is your your vision for drink dry it's a simple but big one you know i want to make sure that good quality non-alcoholic drinks is is a just everywhere that they are available to the consumer when you say everywhere do you mean like the whole of the middle east do you mean the world correct <laughs> i think had you asked me that question last year i would have said no no everywhere in the uae yep. you know but um as we're getting bigger and our horizons are getting broader, there's no reason why it shouldn't be everywhere in the GCC, why we shouldn't be able to educate the consumer about it. Um, we'd also love to know a little bit more about you and what you do when you're not running drink dry. How do you relax? <laughs> um, look, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a founder of a startup business and We've only been kind of live and going for about a year. So you don't relax <laughs> currently, you know, and, and this is the difference between working and doing something for living that you really, truly enjoy. You know, um, my husband is uh, and all my friends, my family, everybody's sick and tired of listening to this non-alcoholic kind of stuff. But it, it's genuinely something that we we as a whole team at Drink Dry, we live and breathe, you know. What about sort of entertainment what are you binging on what are you reading 
Um, so reading, I think I haven't read a book in about uh, 12 months. Okay. And that's mainly to do with the fact that I've just been working nonstop. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of TV, so I don't spend a lot of time watching TV. Um, I'm a huge fan of social, physical interaction with people and I think more so after COVID yeah so um I'm, I'm not a fantastic cook I I like to cook but I, I don't think I'm a great cook but I do love having people over you yeah. know and sometimes um I will happily invite uh friends over for dinner and say we'll just take a takeaway yeah you know I'm not going to stress about cooking because I've been at work all day and maybe I haven't had a chance to to order to get the ingredients to cook but you got but the drinks sorted we have the so drinks sorted <laughs> yeah okay we're going to move on to a quick fire round so we're going to be asking Listen. you some questions about food and drink so what is your guilty pleasure ice cream comfort food uh pastry soup or salad soup sweet or savory savory Non-alcoholic wine or non-alcoholic beer? Non-alcoholic sparkling wine. <laughs> <laughs> Breakfast, lunch or dinner? Dinner. Strangest thing you've ever eaten? Would have to be snails, I think, to this day. I tried it as a child and I still find it phenomenal that we eat snails. Okay, but if you put like enough garlic on it, surely it just kind of takes away the idea it of does, snails. It does, it does, yeah. it does. But you haven't got over it and you're just like, I'm never trying snails again. No, I do like <laughs> them, but I still find it's an extremely bizarre thing that we eat. Yeah, it is quite bizarre <laughs> if you really do think about it. Yeah. What about strangest thing you've drank? Oh my goodness. Uh, is it birch water? It's something that comes from a birch tree. Okay. It's like... Um, Slightly, almost like soapy water, like white color. Kitchen hero. Oh my goodness, kitchen hero, kitchen hero uh, would have to be my husband. He can cook, he, he, he doesn't cook any other time of the year, but on Christmas Day, uh, he just absolutely performs and he can cook the whole Christmas lunch by himself, deliver it all on time and actually sit down with a smile. Wow. I know. What would be your last supper? It would have to be a steak. It would have to be. Yeah. And what would you have on the side? Um, if I'm, oh gosh, okay. So if it's my last supper, I'm not, I'm not thinking about healthy or not healthy. Um, it would have to be truffle fries, uh, cream spinach, exactly what we had today, and a nice rich sauce. Yeah. And what would you have to drink with it? Um, sparkling water and a glass of uh, Familia Torres Natureo Red. What a phenomenal guest and what a fantastic entrepreneurial story. So thank you so much for sharing your journey with us and congratulations. And we're really excited to see how the brand grows. So that was Erica Doyle, the founder of Drink Dry. And we want to thank Prime 68 for letting us record in the restaurant in the JW Marriott Marquis, Dubai. If you'd like to know more about Drink Dry, visit drinkdrystore.com. And that was the business lunch with Catra Middle East and me, Cohen or Sahota. Keep an eye on our social media to find out where you can hear the podcast. And in the meantime, thank you for listening and please like, subscribe and share with your friends.